Good morning, this is uh, Pastor Gene with Refuge Church. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Uh, we just invite you to join with us and worship our Lord and Savior. This morning we're continuing our Spread Hope sermon series with a message entitled Better Together. Talking about community and the need for community and the need to belong to community. So we invite you to, just, again, just worship the Lord and just uh, surrender everything and all things to Him. Let Him have your will and way. And so I ask you just now at this moment, just join me in prayer. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are, for all that you've done. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy and grace. Father, we thank you that uh, you in, uh, just empower us and enable us to live the life you call us to live with the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that uh, you don't call us to, to live this life on our own, to be long ranger Christians, but God, you call us to belong and to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And Father, I just pray that today you would help everyone to see that need. And Lord, if they're not a part of a of a community that they would decide today to become part of a community and Lord just to live their lives for you and for your kingdom. We thank you for again for all you are and for all that you've done and we just give you our service. God we just pray you work in hearts and lives. Lord and, and all those who are watching us live and later on in the week, wherever they may find themselves, we pray they would just surrender themselves and their lives to you and just let you be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Christ's name we pray.
So before I even get into the message, I, was, I feel like I need to share this with someone. And that's the fact that the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love the second verse of that song. It says, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. And I just want you to know this morning that it doesn't matter how, how far you think you are from the Lord or if you think you've done something so bad, there's nothing too great that his love can overcome. So I just want somebody to know that this morning. I feel like I need to share that and, just, and let you know that, 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 that our Heavenly Father, is, it's like the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, and he's waiting with open arms to receive us back. And all we have to do is just turn and come back. So let's feel like I need to share that with someone. Thank you, guys. This morning, I want to share a message with you entitled Better Together. Again, we've been uh, doing a sermon series called Spread Hope for a couple of weeks now. Sort of tied into the um, something we felt led to do really uh, in the midst of the coronavirus and all we were dealing with. It seemed like there were a lot of people in our midst that had lost hope and were focusing on the wrong things. And uh, so we just felt led to do this. Um, I think we have two more weeks is what we sort of laid out and then we'll transition into something else. But again, this morning we continue our Spread Hope sermon series with a message entitled Better Together. My text is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 12 is where I'm really going to pull most of my, my points and information. I actually want to jump back and read uh, verse 7 through 12 just to put it in context. So Ecclesiastes 4, verses 7 through 12. Verse 7, the writer of Ecclesiastes is, of course, was Solomon, whom the Bible says was the wisest who's ever lived. And he said, again, I saw vanity under the sun. Verse 8, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity in an unhappy business. Then my, my main take to it starts in verse 9. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, he says in verse 11, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him in a threefold cord is not easily broken. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for all those who are joining us remotely this morning. And Father, we pray you just work in each heart and life. We just surrender to you. God, we give you our service. We give you ourselves. We pray you would just uh, anoint me to share what you let in my heart. God, I pray for receptive hearts and minds that we would just receive the truth of your word. And God, we would just align ourselves with the absolute unchanging truth of your word. And uh, we just ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, Solomon is the writer of Ecclesiastes. And in this passage, he's talking about what's called a miser. And that's not a really common word in our uh, society today. So let me sort of tell you what a miser is. A miser is essentially it's a hoarder, what we would call a hoarder. Or, or someone really it's sort of a hoarder without an heir. Someone who is just accumulating stuff and working and working and working and accumulating stuff, and he has no areas, no one to pass things along to, and he's basically decided just to keep on working. That's what he talks about in verses 7 through 8 of what I read. He says that his eyes are never satisfied with riches, and 
he never stops to think, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? You know, you're doing all these things and you're doing it to no avail because there's not even a, an heir to leave these riches and things to. So that's who he's talking about. Someone who basically makes a choice to work alone, to live alone, and to live in isolation so he doesn't have to share his resources with anyone else. And it's sort of that illustration and that setting to which Solomon writes our verses of, of 9 through 12. And he really gives him some illustrations and makes some points as to why the idea of living in isolation is incorrect. But again, sadly, we see this same attitude in the church. We see this same attitude uh, in the kingdom. We, we see it in people who, who think they can you know, watch some sermon online or they can stream some sermon into their home or they can listen to you know, whoever's weekly podcast and then forget all about the church that's down the road forget all about community and forget all about the body of Christ. And that's simply not the way the, the Lord intended for us to live. The, the reality is isolation kills hope. Isolation kills hope. When you isolate yourself and you do things all along, all by yourself, never belonging to the body, never belonging to community, and never being who God called you to be, that kills hope. Really, if you think about it, there's no greater illustration of that principle of isolation killing hope than the last 60 days that we've all spent quarantined, right? I mean, there, there are some benefits to togetherness. There are benefits to community. There are benefits to belonging. And that's why I want you to see this morning. I want you to understand that we are better together. The first benefit that I want you to see from being together and togetherness and community is productivity. Productivity. He says in verse 9, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. All throughout the New Testament, we're given this illustration of the church being the body, the body of Christ, the human body. And we talk about how each and every person who comes into the community, who comes into the church, brings something that is needed. And we talk about that a lot here at our church. But, you know, there's people who come in that have different gifts, they have different talents, and they have different uh, abilities even. But it's that mixture. When it comes together and is united, it's that mixture working together that makes the body of Christ. It's that mixture coming together that makes the church function as he intended for it to function. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidence or happenstance or whatever you want to call it. I believe God has a plan and a purpose behind every person. God has a plan and a purpose behind every person who enters this body of Christ. God has a plan and purpose behind everyone's life who is watching this. God has a, a plan and a purpose behind everyone's life who is connected to this community, no matter how you may be connected. I'm going to say something you won't hear many pastors say, but that's okay. I can't do it all. I can't. I can't do it all. I, I do not have all the answers. For, for years and years, the thing that enemy kept throwing up to me and kept tripping me up with was this idea that I had to have an answer for everybody's question. And, and I, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's terrifying to think about that. But the Lord just sort of showed me one day that, hey, nobody has all the answers. You know, I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how many degrees you have or how many letters are after your name or how long you've been in ministry or what you've done. No one has all the answers. And so I don't have to live in that anymore. I don't, I don't really think that way anymore. My, my answer basically is that 
and my philosophy, I guess, and my approach to that is, if I don't have an answer, I'll get you an answer. And I will do my best to get you an answer because no one has all the answers. But I just, I just got to get that out this morning that I can't do it all. I don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, here at our church, we, uh, we have a little different leadership model that we call shared leadership. And we have this group of uh, pastors. We call it the pastoral, Pastors Council. And, you know, because it takes different people, it takes different gifts, it takes different callings, it takes different anointings. And, and I do that because I realize that, at, well, number one, I do that because I believe that's the biblical model. Ephesians chapter 4 lays out five offices of, uh, that exist. And I think that God still intends for all of them to exist and are all still functioning. Those are uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And I understand that, that at best, if, so if you think about that, there's five people. That's 100% of the equation is 20%. So I realize that at best, I have 20% of the solution. And I realize that I need other people involved in the leadership process that have gifts that I don't have, that have talents that I don't possess. They have callings that I don't have. They have anointings on their life that I don't possess. And I need those people to fill in where I lack. And, and everyone on that team would tell you the exact same thing, that they don't have all the answers, that they're 20%, 20% of the solution, and we need each other to fill in where each other's lack. The, 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 it basically comes down to this. I need others to help me complete the ministry and, and the mirroring of Jesus Christ to the world and to this community. I can't do it by myself. But again, I'm talking about productivity, so let me just make this as simple as I can make it. The world is very quickly passing away. It is drawing to a close. And the Lord has left us here as the church to influence and reach people, as many people as we can, to expand His kingdom. In my personal devotion, I've been doing a study on basically in 2 Timothy 3 where Paul talks about the the last days. And I tell you, as I dig into that, as I think about what Paul says there, man, we are there. We are, we are there. We are in the last of the last days. And I believe that sincerely. And I believe that God has left us here as a church and as a community to reach as many people as possible. And Solomon says in this passage, two are better than one. It's about productivity. Two are better than one. We can reach far more people and expand his kingdom farther and quicker and faster together than we ever will separate. It's about productivity. That's why each of us should know our gifts. Each of us should know our callings. Each of us should know our purpose so we can serve and design as he functioned us to in the context of the local church. I just want you to see we are gathered together because our work is exponentially multiplied when we come together and work together. Because two are better than one and we can do far more together than we ever can separately. We can reach many more people. Amen. Number two, the second benefit is assistance. He says in verse 10, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he finds, excuse me, when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, in context, and I believe context is important. In context, Solomon is talking about a physical fall. And the, the sort of the picture that came to my mind was if you're out working alone and you're all by yourself and say so you're working on your house and you go up on a ladder and you fall off that ladder and you get physically injured, and there's no one else there to help you, then you're in trouble. I mean, that's sort of the, the mental picture of what he's talking about. That, that's not a good situation to be in. 
And you know, there, there's one interpretation of Scripture, which is what the original writer meant to the original audience, but there's many applications of Scripture. And as I read this, I mean, I get the physical picture, I get the physical application, but I think there's also a spiritual application. There's, there's a moral application to this. Historically, we, the church, haven't handled situations like this too well. When, when there is a spiritual fall or a moral fall, we don't handle those things too well. We are very quick to become the judge, the jury, and the executioner, right? It's, it's been said, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but the, but the church is basically the only organism on the work, in the world that kills its wounded or shoots its wounded. But that's what we do a lot of times. We become jury, judge, jury, and executioner, and we start, you know, blasting people and saying things you shouldn't say and just being nasty. And the very people who have fallen spiritually or morally or whoever, those are the ones that need our help. But instead of helping them, we often just cast them away and we write them off as, you know, we, we write them off as damaged goods and we think that God's done with them and we think that God could never use them again. I know this because I've been on both sides of the you see, I've been the one that took the haughty, holier-than-thou attitude and talked about people and made fun of people and didn't help people who had fallen and who needed help. But the flip side of that is, I've also been in the, the humble position of being the one who made a, a failure, who, who had a moral, spiritual failure, who made a mistake. And I'm very thankful for the people who are there to lift me up. He talks about two are better together because if one falls, the other one is there to lift him up. I'm so thankful for the people in my life who knew that God wasn't finished with me. I'm so thankful for the people in my life who loved me enough to speak truth to me. I'm so thankful for the people in my life who loved me enough to have difficult conversations with me. I'm so thankful for the people in my life who knew that I was not defined by my mistakes and neither are you defined by your mistakes. I'm so thankful for the people who knew that the God we serve is a master at restoration. Solomon says, two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Listen, you need somebody in your life with the permission to speak truth to you, to speak whatever they need to speak to you. Here at our church, and most churches call them accountability partners. You say, why do I need that? You need that because you have blind spots that you can't see. Just like when you're in a car driving down the road, there's blind spots that you can't see on the sides of you. It's the same way in our lives. There are blind spots. And here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is aware of those things, and He brings those things to our attention. He convicts us of those things. But instead of stepping up and dealing with those things, we justify them. And because we justify them and look the other way and don't deal with these things, we need people who will hold us accountable and say, hey, I see this in you and you need to deal with this, or, or whatever the situation may be. People who will warn us before a fall, and people who will also walk with us through the process of restoration when we do fall. And can I just say that that's always the Father's heart? It's always restoration. Again, go back, Luke 15, the prodigal son. It's always about restoration. And we are better together because we assist each other in preventing and recovering from faults. There's assistance 
for those things in the community that you won't find anywhere else. Let me, let me say this. Some of the most solid, mature, faithful Christians I know are people who have failed in the past and then surrendered themselves to God. People who fail and you know they had some moral failure, some spiritual failure, some slip up in their life, but instead of basking in that and living in that and taking that as, as their identity, they stepped up, they realized that the God we serve is a God of restoration and they surrendered themselves and got to that situation. And if you'll do that, God takes something horrible and makes something beautiful out of it. He'll do it every time. He's a master at doing that. But it requires your submission. It requires you giving him yourself and you giving him the situation. Number three, the third benefit of community is comfort. He says in verse 11, And if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Again, in context, Solomon's illustration is by talking about lying down together on a cold or a freezing night. Two people warm each other. Again, in context, he's talking about man and wife. Matter of fact, if you watch and get into any survivalist kind of training, they'll tell you that if you're out with someone else and it's a freezing cold night, that you need to snuggle up together. Because the body heat from each other keeps both of you from dying. Keeps you from freezing to death. And this is absolutely true unless your spouse is a cover hog, right? Or unless your spouse has cold feet that are like ice cubes. Or unless your spouse has a control for the electric blanket. But my point is this. There are benefits from friendship. There are benefits from community that the person who wants to live in isolation and disconnect from the body never experiences. And one of those benefits is comfort. Merriam-Webster defines comfort as to give strength and hope to. I love that definition because it ties right in with spreading hope. To give strength and hope to. To ease the grief and trouble of someone. So as Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ, we are called to be there for each other. To provide comfort and hope to those who are hurting, to those who are grieved, to those who are troubled. But here's the problem. What, what happens is we often don't do that. And instead of stepping up and being those things to people who are hurting and grieved and troubled, we don't. And we usually don't because of two reasons. Number one is we don't know what to say. Or number two, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say or we don't know what to do. We think that, hey, I don't understand the situation. I don't understand what they're going through. I've never dealt with this. You know, I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what to do for them. But can I just tell you this morning, that, and, and I promise you this, that the best thing you can be is there. T-H-E-R-E. That's all they need. They need a shoulder to cry on. They need an ear to talk to. They just need someone to be there. I had a uh, pastoral ministry professor at Bible College. I'll never forget this. One day we were talking about this very thing. We were talking about ministering to people during difficult times. You know, when there's death in the family or, you know, a, a terminal illness or, you know, auto accident, whatever. He, he said something along these lines. And it's so very true. It's still true. He says, people will never remember the words you spoke or the prayers you prayed, but they will remember that you were there. So true. It's not about what you say. It's not about what you do because... If you'll step out and put yourself in the situation and determine to be 
help and comfort to hurting and grieved and troubled people. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit will lead you in what to do. You just have to get there, right? You have to make the connection and be there. So again, the best thing you can be is there. Because God never intended for you to do life on. He never intended for you to do life on. His desire is that you and I live and function in Christian community, in the body of Christ, in the church. And that gives you the hope and the strength and the comfort you need to complete this journey. We are better together because we can comfort each other and help each other through times of hurt, grief, and trouble. The last benefit I want to share with you is in verse 12. It's protection. He said, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Again, in context, Psalm is referring to being physically attacked. He's talking about how an attacker, an attacker may come in and they, they may overcome one person, but two people more than likely will fight off the attacker. And of course, the more people you have, the better those, those odds are. Again, while it's definitely true in the physical realm, even more so in the spiritual realm, the enemy wants nothing more than to isolate you, to get you depressed and discouraged and all along. He wants you thinking that no one cares. He wants you thinking that no one else on earth can relate to what you're going through. But when you belong to a body of believers, when you have connections, when you, when you gather with them, that hinders the enemy's agenda in your life because you have people who will stand with you, people who will protect you. Listen, church. What the world needs is not some haughty, better-than-you hypocrite to point out everything that's wrong in their life. They already know that. The Holy Spirit is a master at conviction. He doesn't need your help. He does, the, the world doesn't need us pointing fingers and pointing out all the things that's wrong with them. They know that. What the world needs is Christ's followers who will come alongside them who will stand with them, who will help them walk out through the issues, who will help them deal with the problems of their life, who will help them deal with the situations that they find themselves in. And, and I pray that that's what you find here at Refuge. I believe that culture doesn't just happen. Culture is created. And the Holy Spirit is the major player in that. But we have been intentional and done everything that we can do to create that kind of culture here at Refuge. Not just one or two people, but a family who wants to be the church that Christ has commanded us to be. The family that won't go out into the world and point fingers, but the family that will go out into the world and say, hey, come on, let, let, we'll help you through this. Come, let us help you. We are better together because we can bind together and help protect each other. There's, there's one more thing I, I felt led to sort of deal with before I close this out, and that's sort of this idea of independence. You know, I, I'm thankful that I live in the United States. I'm thankful that I have the freedom to be here this morning, that I have the freedom to, to go wherever I want to go, to be whatever I want to be, and do whatever I want to do. But the problem is, is that spirit of independence has sort of crept into the church. That spirit of independence has, has slid into the body of Christ, and God never intended that. God never intended for me to live my life independent of the local church. 
God never intended for me to be a, a long ranger Christian, so to speak, who, who doesn't cooperate with anyone else or, or seek to minister with anybody else or do anything with anyone. Right? God never intended for me to be that. He never intended for me to sit on my couch every weekend and watch TV preacher whoever and not be connected to a local body. The connection to community is critical. We cannot do this alone. God doesn't intend for us to do this alone. And listen, I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful for online services, for online meetings. You know, we, part of our vision here is a network of churches and house churches. And there's going to be, you know, virtual connections with all those folks. And, and I'm thankful that, you know, we, even this morning we have the technology to stream to wherever everyone is. But listen, those things cannot be a substitute for belonging to a local Christian community. That's why everything that we do is connected to a small group. We're going, you know, we're going to stream and we're going to do house churches and other campuses and all those things. But the core of it has to be community. And so I would just encourage you this morning that, again, I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful for the freedoms that I have. But don't let that spirit of independence drive you into something God never intended. Don't let it creep in and, and, and make you live a life completely void of community because you need community. Amen. Somewhere some musicians come up and just prepare a song. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. We've been sharing an email address uh, that's hope at your refuge church throughout this series. And uh, that the email address is still open. We're monitoring that all the time. But I'm going to share another number with you this morning. It's actually a phone number. It's our text number. We have we use a system called Text in Church. This is the two-way texting number. They only receive text. You can't call this number. You can't talk on it. But listen, I want to just sort of go back to what I shared this morning and challenge you a little bit. If you feel the Lord leading with you, I want you to shoot us an email. I want you to text us. Let us know what we can do. Let us know how we can minister to you, how we can pray for you, or what we can do for you. Uh, the uh, the email address is monitored by our entire pastor's council that I mentioned earlier. The, uh, the other number... In Texan Church, currently only I can see that. And I promise you, I will sit down this evening. My wife and I will go through all those texts and we will respond. And we will forward where we need to forward and handle everything as we need to and as we feel led to. Because if you're struggling with something and, you know, if there's someone in our church who has victory over those things, you know, that's great people to pair you up with. So we'll, we'll deal with those things and we'll address them. But listen, the first thing we talked about was productivity. You know, we have lots of work to do and we need you. Again, it's the idea that we'll accomplish far more together than we ever will separate. We have a kingdom vision here. It's not about our church. It's not about me. It's not about our pastor's council. It's about the kingdom of God. If we can help you and help expand your vision and what God has shown you for the kingdom, then we want to help you. We want to be a part of that. Number two, we talked about assistance. We want to assist you in recovering from a fall, from a failure. Again, maybe it's a moral fall, maybe it's a spiritual fall, whatever. But I want you to know that God loves you too much for you to stay where you are, but yet He won't leave you where you are. And we want you to come back to Him, and we want to help you walk out of that. If we can help you walk out of that, let us know. Just, just shoot us a text and say, hey, I'm struggling with whatever, or I fail with it. I keep falling into this issue or whatever. Just, just let us know that we want to help you walk out of those things. Number three, we talked about comfort. Again, we want to help you with hurt and grief and trouble. If we can minister to you, you know, if there's some hurt in your life or some situation, maybe you lost a loved one or sickness or, or whatever, if there's any way that we get the church can minister to you, just again, shoot us an email or text and let us know. 
And the last one was protection. We want to bind together and be a source of protection for you. Paul, uh, Solomon says that one is easily overtaken. Two can withstand the attacker. Three-fold, threefold cord is not easily broken. But imagine when you have a hundredfold cord. Imagine when you are facing a situation and you walk into a church and there's a hundred people there who truly love you, who are sincere and who are binding together with you and standing in prayer with you on whatever the issue may be. That's, that's who we want to be. So again, if there's something that we can help you with or minister to, please do that. Just shoot the email or, or the text. Um, so again, this is all about community. It's about being better together. You know, maybe we just want to know how to, to get connected. Maybe you want to become a part of this community, or, or maybe you want to, you know, need help discovering His plans and purposes for your life. Because I promise you, He has a plan and He has a purpose. You may not know it, you may not understand it, but He designed you intentionally, and there is a plan and purpose for your life. So if you need help figuring out what that is, again, email us, text us. We'll be honored to help you figure out what that is. And lastly. Again, we talk about small groups. Our, our, our community is small group based. And we have some very simple guidelines to lead a small group. But maybe you'd like to lead a small group at your home or in your community. And you know, we'd be honored to help you with that as well. Get your resources. You can use our system. Again, it's kingdom focused. It's not about us. And if there's something we can do to help you with that, again, shoot us an email, shoot us a text, and let us know what we can do. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. God, we just pray that as we go through this few minutes of response and invitation as, as the musicians play and sing, God, just work in our hearts and lives. God, I pray that you would just search us and you would show us these things that are wrong in our lives. God, you would show us any areas where we are withholding and not being what you've called us to be. Father, show us the blind spots. Father, show us the failures and mistakes that we need to recover from. Father, show us those things that stand in the way of us being the individuals in the community you have called us to be. And Father, I pray that when those things are revealed, that you would give the individuals the strength to email God the strength to shoot us a text or so that we can minister, so we can be your hands and feet, so we can be your body and share your love and your heart with all those who respond. Again, we thank you for who you are, for all you've done. In Christ's name we pray.
sure that was contact with you again. Again, the email is hope at your refuge.church. The phone number is 704-703-3717. I think some pastors council is going to post that in the comments. But again, Texas, it doesn't matter. You're not watching this live and this is days later. Both of those things are monitored all the time. Shoot us an email, send us a text. Let us know what we can do for you. If, if you if you uh, have questions about Christianity, if you have questions about the Lord and salvation, and there's things you don't understand, whatever. There's no such thing as a stupid question. So if you have a question, just shoot it to us and we'll, we'll do our best to answer it and start a conversation with you. Again, it's all in confidence. It's all done that way. Nothing is shared. We don't publicize your information. It's all discreet and confident. But we want to be the church God has called us to be. And this is an avenue for us to do that during this time. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Again, we thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Father, we thank you for uh, all those who are watching this, Lord, wherever they may be. We pray your blessings on them. Lord, be with us throughout the coming week. Help us to just continue to live and be who you've called us to be. Father, we pray your blessings on every home and every person that's, that's listening. And God, we just uh, thank you for uh, the trends that we see in our society, God, of the virus and things slowing down and dying down. And Lord, we just, we're uh, looking forward to gathering again as your body and Lord, physically uh, being uh, your body and, and, and your community to this community around us. Lord, that we would just help them to, to see you and uh, just lead us and guide us again through the coming week. Help us to live our lives in a way that brings you honor and glory and reflects you to everyone that we meet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We invite you back again next week, 1030 a.m.